no matter how you feel that somebody else has treated you you are responsible 100% of the time and that is empowerment that is true empowerment because then you know if you are responsible you can do something about it if somebody else is responsible you can't control somebody else's actions you can you can control yours in terms of saying sorry apologizing feeling unconditional love opening your heart Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States and Eleni from Australia. We've had heartfelt conversations as soul sisters for years and we're ready to share our truths, stories and life lessons with you and to inspire you to connect to your truest essence which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax and let's get real about the things that truly matter. Hello everybody, in today's episode of Soul Sisters Get Real we are talking about the topic should I stay or should I go? This is something that I am hearing a lot around me from my sisters and I'm not talking about my biological sisters, I'm talking about my soul sisters everywhere where they're in this conundrum about, you know, is it time to leave their long-term relationship or should they stick it out for a bit longer? Everything's feeling misaligned. We're going to talk about that today with my beautiful soul sister, Karen. So Karen, what about if you kick it off? Because this is something that you had to recently um, decide, should I stay or should I go? And yeah. can you just take us through what was going on for you in your life at that time? Uh, yes. And uh, without saying anything too much, this is always a tough one for me because I was married for 28 years and I uh, deeply, deeply loved my husband. And yet our marriage was not healthy. And in fact, it was quite toxic and it was toxic for both the boys and for us. And, um, I had, I had believed that we are not supposed to get divorced. No one in my family had gotten divorced, that it was a mortal sin that, uh, when we made a promise, it was forever. One of the things that I struggled with is because I remember telling my boys many times when they were young, please don't worry, dad and I will never get married. And I learned the biggest lesson from that, right? Never say never. Uh, uh, hold on. So- Sorry, Karen, to interrupt you. You just said, I told my boys, I'm nev- we're never going to get married. Oh, I'm mean- sorry. I meant <laughs> never get divorced. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me on that, right? Um, yeah, so we will never get divorced. Don't worry. I remember saying that to them when they were children and, uh, I, I lived with a lot of guilt around, should I make that decision? You know, should I stay or should I go? And, and will things get better and a lot of hope and a lot of prayer. And I gave it to God and I gave it to God and I gave it to God. And I said, God, tell me when and if. And so I was in that, should I stay? Should I go for many, many, many years? And one of the biggest reasons is because what I, what I do know is that it was fear. I was scared. I was scared to death to, I got, I'd gone to college. I got married right out of college. I'd met my husband in college, married right out of college and, um, had never really lived on my own. 
and been independent and taking care of myself. And I was, I, I was so fearful about, can I live on my own? Could I live in this house? You know, all of those questions that we have, right? So the, should I stay? Should I go? Was really, really tough. And we can get into this later, but what I finally came to the conclusion of, and this was via the emotional intelligence, self-transformational leadership class that I course that I had gone to and I flew to California and this was right before my son Josh died in that motorcycle accident. Uh, I had gone there for four months and I learned how to find my voice and, and that's pretty much the bottom line. I learned how to step through fear into courage, how to choose me because I'm a supporter and I don't always choose me. I put others first and then how to find my voice. And that was really, really, really big for me. And um, yeah, and that's kind of when I had to make that decision. And it was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. Of course. I remember speaking to you at the time. So, you know, for those people listening, how did you know that it was the point of no return? How did you know that in yourself? I knew it was the point of no return for a very, very long time. Uh, I was just afraid. And I knew and when I presented it to my husband at the time, again, it's 28 years of marriage. I, I remember saying to him, I love you. I will always love you. And I love you enough to set you free because you are not the man that I know God wants you to be. And you are not the man that I know that you are while married to me. And this is not working. Um, this is not a threat because it had been threatened many, many, many times for many years. And I don't think he believed me for a while. Um, but it was, it was just that point of when I went to the class, when I went to the course, one of the most beautiful things they do is they have you make a decision of something in your life that you're no longer willing to, when you found your voice and you find yourself and you find your courage, you're no longer to, you're no longer willing to live with, to put up with the mediocrity. And this is how we explain it, uh, is we call it the shit scoop, right? So you can have this beautiful life. You could have your favorite ice cream. So what is your favorite ice cream, Eleni? My favorite favorite ice cream is rum and raisin. Rum and raisin. Rum and raisin. I love it. We use, I usually hear chocolate. and So your favorite ice cream, you had rum and raisin, right? On this beautiful colony. You're so excited about it. You're starving. You can't wait to have your ice cream. But on top of that rum and raisin scoop is a scoop of shit. And you can't get to that rum and raisin. And that is the life that you deserve. That is the life that you're here for. That's the life that God wants you to have. And yet when you're sitting with this cone and a whole bunch of crap on top, you'll never get to enjoy the fruits of life. You'll never get to enjoy the real you and that person that gets to have a joyful life and be loved. And so what do you do? You have to get rid of that scoop on top. And that is freaking scary. And so that's what I learned is it was just time and it was the exercise that we were doing is what in your life is causing that or is, has been created, right? Because I learned there's no blame, no shame. It's not one person's fault. I take 100% responsibility for what happened in our marriage and he gets to also, right? Because it's not, it's not just one. And so I had to get rid of that scoop and it was really, really scary. And um, that was when I decided what is, so the question is, and I'm sure you can speak into this, and I'd love to hear too from you, Lenny, is what is that shit scoop in your life that is holding you back? And I knew I was meant for something really great on this earth, 
And I was not doing it in that atmosphere because I couldn't because it was so toxic. Yeah. And now I don't think I can eat rum and raisin again. Because <laughs> I've got this vision of, of a shit, a piece of shit scoop on top of my rum and raisin ice cream. And it's like, I don't know if I want to eat that rum and raisin. But that is a brilliant analogy because it's like, you know, what you want is underneath it. And you can't have both. You can't be in this toxicity which is going to give you this low, you know, vibrational um, experience and then also at the same time experience high vibrational life. Like, and we're not saying that necessarily you always go, but you you had reached the point of, like you said, many years. It wasn't like, okay, like I'm not happy now and I don't think I want to stay in this marriage before. Like you had, uh, you know, you got a family, you know, three boys, you had promised them that you would not ever divorce. So this is something that you in your heart wanted more than anything in the world was this family unit to stay together. You wanted the family unit to stay together and you did everything you could. And this is how I think you know when it's the point of no return, when it's no longer a question. So when people are asking, I don't know, should I stay or should I go? It's not yet time. Because when it's time, you actually 100% have no doubt about it. That's what I feel. I feel like, you know, we waste our time thinking about these things and overanalyzing these things and, oh, should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? You reach the point of no return, which means you couldn't stay anymore. You just couldn't. And that's how I was with, you know, with my marriages, you know, I could not, I physically could not stay any longer. I had to leave. But at the point where I was still confused, it wasn't the right time. At the point was where I didn't know, you know, should I still continue trying or whatever, it wasn't the right time because I needed to give more of me into it, more of me into it. But then there comes a time it's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I've got nothing more of me to give. But um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how I see it in terms of yes. that point of no return is where there is no more confusion. Oh, I have to agree because like I said, for many, 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 many years I prayed because I was in the space of, oh my gosh, I know this is not a good marriage. And yet I was like, I don't know, maybe it'll get better when the boys go to college, maybe it'll get better, you know? So there was always this hope, this hope, this hope until like you said, it wasn't a question anymore. It was a, this is not healthy and someone it's not going to end well. And yeah. so, yeah, that's so basically yeah. the mm -hmm. cycle was that first you were confused, like, Oh, should I stay or should I go? I'll give it more chance. I'll give it another go. I'll give it another go. And then you knew, you knew it had to end. And then you had to face the fear of doing that. And then it yeah. does, you finally get the courage to do what's right for you, for your truth. And then it's hard. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. Like the initial stages of separation with a long-term partnership, whether it's a marriage or not, is really, really, really hard. But you will get through to the other side. So, you know, for people that are scared about, well, this is going to be really hard, separating, separating assets, going through all of that, yes, it is hard. But yeah. the ice cream is at the other side. 
right? Right. The really, really favorite ice cream. I remember some of my friends saying to me, you can do this. The other side is really great. Like you can get through this. Cause I kept saying, you know, with Josh dying at the same time and, and then the separation at the same time and going through the paperwork and the settlement and the mediation. And I remember saying, I don't know how I can do this. Like this is near impossible because it was so painful in so many ways. And I had friends say the other side is really good. Like hang in there. And I was like, it darn well better be because it is tough. And I don't recommend it to anyone unless there is really not a, you know, not a, a, there's reconciliation or the ice cream without that scoop on top. Yeah, absolutely. It is tough, but it is worth it. And this is the thing also is that you are launching into the unknown. Um, how is this going to work? Well, how is the assets going to work? How is whatever? You've got to trust that you are taken care of. You've got to trust that um, everything works out for everybody's highest good and you will be taken care of. But there's the other side of the coin as well, which is for those relationships where um, I'll give you an example. This actually happened just last week with a friend of mine where she was about to separate And in my heart of hearts, um, I knew that it was because she fell into a a bit of a dark hole with him and she didn't know how to climb out, but she loved him and he loved her. So for me, that's the, that's the, that do you love him, you know, in that way? Because that's, that's when I say in that way, I mean, as a significant other way, um, as opposed to, because what happens in many relationships and what I found with you know, my last relationship was that, um, you know, I love and I still love my ex-husbands, but um, not in that way. Like I love, I love them as like in a brother. Love. It's the, yeah. the in love, right? The, the in, in love. love. Are, you in, are you in love? And if you are in love, I believe that you can see things from a different perspective. So this is a story about how the universe just organized everything. So what happened a couple of days ago was that I went to the gym at a unusually early time. And that was because my cleaners had to be here really, really early. And so I wanted to get out and not be in their face. And so I went to the gym at a time that I don't usually go. And there I saw my friend's son who also went unusually early because he had to do stuff during the day. And so I said to him, you know, do you want me to drive you home afterwards because he doesn't have a car? And he goes, yeah, that would be great because I've got lots of things to do today. And so I thought whilst I'm driving him home because his mum is one of my best friends. And so we've been best friends for, um, you know, 45 years since since we started high school. And um, I walked in just to surprise her and speak to her. And at that moment, she like needed me. And she said later it was like an angel walked into my bedroom, but she did get frightened because I I didn't realize it was going to be so dark when I walked in. And uh, I thought she would see me the moment I walked in. I'll never do that again, ever. And so I didn't knock. That's how close we are. I didn't knock. Like we can go into each other's bedrooms no matter what. And um, it was complete darkness. So the poor thing. But anyway, after she got over the initial shock of someone being in her bedroom, um, she actually really needed to speak to me because she was thinking of writing a letter 
that day to her um, partner and the letter was about to, about, okay, thank you, but, you know, it's time to separate. But I, I knew exactly what was going on and I knew that it wasn't time. It's just that she didn't know how to get out of the hole. So what had happened was that he got himself in a really bad space emotionally and mentally because a lot of stuff was going on in his life physically. And um, he was taking out all his frustrations on her for quite a long time. And she didn't know how to deal with it. And so she actually started to take his, her frustrations out on him. So what happened was he started name-calling and then she started name-calling back. So what I explained to her was that you don't, you can't expect somebody to come up to your level if you go down to theirs. So the way that I explained it was like he had gone down because he couldn't cope with what was going on in his life and she went down with him. But what we have to do is we have to hold the light. We have to hold the light up here. So if somebody calls us names or is derogatory towards us, we don't do that back because then we're not holding the light. Now, that doesn't mean, yes, go on. I was going to say, on that point, this is exactly what I tell my clients, and another analogy around that is if someone is in a hole and they're in a bad, dark place, you can't pull them up out of the hole and rescue them with a rope if you jump in the hole with them. Yeah. And so you get to stay out of the hole and stay in a good place so you can throw them the rope and rescue them. The life rope, right? It's, yeah. You know that I actually gave her that analogy that morning? <laughs> exactly. It. Exactly what you said. But this is the interesting thing because she responded like that because she thought that was the strong woman thing to do because she was in another relationship previously where she did allow herself to be mistreated. And so she thought that by talking back in this and yelling back and and asserting her um, strength that she was not being weak. And when I was saying to her, like, you know, talking about how else she can respond in this situation, she was like, but isn't that weak? Isn't that weak? And what would you say to that, Karen? Like when she says, isn't that weak not to respond in that way? No, it's actually stronger to have, to not, not allow it, have boundaries, right? Have boundaries, but not jump into it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So it's not about allowing yourself to be mistreated. It's not, a, it's not about allowing yourself to be spoken in that way. But what I said to her was when he yells, you lower your voice. Because if I mm-hmm. do that in my own relationship, like if I, you know, we don't yell, but if ever there's a situation where my partner raises his voice, I actually lower it. And I say, yes. okay, you know, don't, you know, you're yelling. And he's like, I'm not yelling. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so I'm not responding to what he's actually saying because then there's, there's, an, there's an energy that's getting, you know, happening over here I'm just straight away as soon as the voice raises I will address the voice raising and nothing else and I will not continue until the voice lowers and so I said to her it's not about not having boundaries and not allowing yourself to be spoken to like that but it's about like you know have your boundaries but with an open heart and you hold the light of the higher level of consciousness you're like I love you 
but I will not allow myself to be speak it, to be spoken like that by anybody. Like that just can't happen. Because yes. I know and that, that's that Right. And that's the same point of, uh, you know, I thought this was so interesting when I learned this years ago is you could say the same exact thing to someone and based on the tone, it will be taken completely differently. Because if I said to you, I don't like you, it is completely different to say, I don't, I don't like you and laugh, right? Like a child, like that child likes innocence. It is the tone. And it is about, like you said that, you know, you can say it quietly and kindly the same thing and it ta- it's taken completely differently exactly and yeah and it is about asserting boundaries because you know I made it very clear from the very beginning of the relationship with my current relationship the very beginning that if there was any kind of um, way that I was treated that I wasn't happy about I he was aware that that is behavior that I'm I'm not going to be hanging around for I just don't hang around for that kind of behavior and so you know he's he's known that I just don't do that he may have been like that with other relationships but not me and so he had to come up and at the same time with other qualities that I had I had to come up with him too like we both we both had to rise you know in different ways and you we need to give the opportunity to our partner to rise up with us yes and Absolutely. so and if we don't share it they don't know though right so it is about communicating what are the boundaries of what is okay for me and what i will tolerate when i won't tolerate because if we don't share it and we don't say that's that's like over the line they don't really know exactly so. exactly and so we talked that through for about one and a half hours with her and it turned out she didn't write that letter she had a beautiful dinner that night. We went through what was, you know, she was going to share her heart, open her heart, apologize for how she had spoken the night before. Don't worry about what he spoke, what he has said. Like, that's up to him to apologize. But, you know, apologizing means, you know, that's called unconditional love when you apologize, but you don't expect anything back. So you yes. had also spoken in a way that was inappropriate, I said to her. So you need to apologize for that. And once you do that, their heart cracks open. Like their heart is not going to crack open when you're defending your position. When you're like, you know, it's all about defending your position. Unconditional love means you love someone unconditionally. You don't start calling them names just because they're doing it. Yes. And, And that is so true. You know, when I think about when I was married and younger, I would demand an apology because my husband at the time was not good at apologizing. And some people really have a challenge apologizing with, which they get to learn how to do it. But I remember I would demand an apology. You have to apologize to me. I'm not talking to you until you apologize for me. And it's not sincere. So just like you said, it's more about apologizing and and they get to have that on their end. And on our end, we can apologize and just know that when they're ready, if they're ready, and if it doesn't happen, that's when the boundaries come in. That's when you make a decision about that is the kind of relationship I want or not. If they can't apologize, maybe I don't. But what I always find is that when you really, with sincerity, like you said, that's the important bit, not just like, I'm really sorry about what happened yesterday, but anyway, but when you're like, I'm so sorry for saying those words to you. I love you more than anything. You don't deserve to be spoken to like that. Their heart will crack open. 
like they, yep. their heart will crack open and they will be sorry too. Then they will reflect on their own behavior. And like you said, well, it's possible that it may not happen. And then that's, there's a bigger issue going on here, but mm -hmm. it's all about making sure that you do the right thing. You can't be the policeman for your partner. You've got to make sure you treat them right, that you live a life of integrity, that you hold the light, that you never raise your voice that if you do raise your voice, that you realize that you need to apologize for that, that if you do swear or are derogatory towards your partner, you need to apologize for that because it's not okay. Just because somebody, it's like you're walking down the street and somebody, you know, like hits you, like, is it okay to run after them and hit them back? Like it's not because that would mean right. that you're, you've just done the same thing they've done. And so right. it's not okay to do the same behavior back. And that is not an indicator of strength. It's an indicator of weakness because strength is yeah. strength is actually finding your center, remaining calm and going within and understanding who you are. And if you can't find your calm in that moment, walk away because sometimes you can't find it in that moment. It's easy for us to say when the things are going on around us. Walk away from the situation until you find your calm, until you breathe it out, until you're able to speak logically and with calmness. Yeah. And I've even learned now sometimes if something is very triggering and a lot of my triggers in my current relationship, what I recognize is they're triggers from past relationships. And so things will trigger me and it's like, oh, there it is again. Why am I so triggered? Oh, yeah, because this happened before, because I was treated this way before. I felt this way before. And so sometimes what I've learned is walking away or not even or even not even addressing it, at least until I'm neutral, also helps where I can drop into my heart then and speak from my heart as opposed to the defensiveness. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, something I wanted to bring up back to what we you know brought up in the beginning is should I stay or should I go is... After I had made that final decision, I really struggled. And I remember walking, I was walking on the lake because I live in Wisconsin and we can live, we can walk on the lake. It gets so cold that the ice is thick enough. And so I was walking across the lake and I was listening to, I forget it was a podcast. And I was questioning in my mind, like, is this like, did this really happen? And, sh and, am I supposed to be married or what am I doing? It was before the divorce was final. And what I heard was, and it made so much sense to me is things happen for a season and for a reason, which I knew, but sometimes our souls take different paths. And when we get to a place where we really know that our souls are not aligned anymore, we have taken and chosen different paths for our lives. That's when we know. And I thought, wow, that really made a lot of sense to me is our souls were supposed to be together. It was perfect. And they had taken different paths and they weren't aligned anymore. Yeah. There's a couple of big points you raised there. One is the triggers, which is, you know, when I was speaking to my friend, I recognized straight away her trigger and his trigger, you know, and, you know, how she responded from, from being triggered, like I'm being mistreated again but this time I'm standing up for myself because the trigger was from a previous relationship and his trigger was like I'm being rejected again because he had previously been rejected in his relationship 
And so when we respond in a very powerful emotional way, it's never because of that particular situation. It's always because of something going on that's gone on before. Otherwise, we wouldn't respond in this huge emotional way because we wouldn't because everything that's gone down before has now been resolved. But if it's not been resolved and it hasn't been released, then we are still um, responding in this big, 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 big way because it hasn't been released and everything's building up in our subconscious mind in terms of emotions that have still not been dealt with. So, yeah, like always, you know, when you respond in any kind of big way, what's really going on? Ask yourself that question uh, for those people listening. What's really going on? Like what is this really about? How, what am I feeling? Am I feeling rejected? Am I feeling abandoned? What am I feeling? And when was the last time I felt that way? And it's likely that that's what you're really distressed about, not the current situation. Yeah. And the big question like that is this, that same question for me is why am I so triggered about this? And what I found is being vulnerable here. One of my big themes is not being made a priority or being second to everything else or third to everything else and knowing like, that is kind of who I am, you know, putting everyone else first, but then allowing that to happen. And what I recognize is a massive trigger for me is when everything else or anything else for that matter is more important than me. And then I'm like, why am I so triggered? Oh yeah, that was a theme, right? And so being aware of where is that trigger and what does it come from? And then that's probably not the case, but I make this big deal out of it, right? This mountain out of a molehill because of my feelings that I felt like that before in my life. Yeah. And because you felt like you were not a priority in your partner's life, you just said, you know, because they put everything else first, that is also a perception because they may not be putting everything else before you, but that's because it's a trigger. You see everything from a distorted point of view because you've got a wound there that hasn't been resolved. And so, you know, your partner may be putting just one thing in front of you, but you, in your mind, it's like he puts everything else in front of me. And it's, it's this perception that we have because of our wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the second part that you said, because you dropped a, a couple of big uh, truth bombs all <laughs> without taking a breath. The, the second truth bomb that you said was about, you know, our soul's evolution and um, where the soul is and, you know, you looking back and thinking, well, was this a mistake or was this right? Like there's no mistakes in the universe. Like we need to understand that. There are absolutely no mistakes. Even if you landed yourself with um, a partner that is mistreating you, there's no mistake there because that's the frequency that you're holding that you're attracting. And until you learn the lesson of why am I allowing this to happen, you, your next partner will also mistreat you. So how often do you hear, oh, you know, men are all the same? Well, because they're all cheaters. What is it in you that's attracting that? What is it in you that's attracting that? That's where you talked about, Karen, in terms of responsibility, because it's not about fault. It's not who's at fault. It's who's responsible. And there's only one person responsible for your life. You. Right? There's only one person. There's no other people responsible for your life except you. And so you're the only one responsible for your life. And so you, you need to understand that there are no mistakes. 
And whatever relationship you've been in, no matter how traumatic and no matter, there's always lessons to be learned. Learn the lessons and then you won't need to learn that lesson again. Learn the lessons. What is it to learn from that relationship? Maybe you need to learn that I'm worthy of more, that I deserve more, that I'm worthy of the best because that's the value that I hold for myself. And then you will attract that. Yes, absolutely. And what, what you said on that point also to bring it back to the 100% responsible is when I learned I am 100% responsible 100% of the time, I am 100% responsible for every decision I make, every word that comes out of my mouth. And it doesn't mean that I'm always perfect. It doesn't mean that I always make the right choices because I, I do, I'm, I mess up. And yet I am responsible for whatever it is, the, whatever the fallout was, or even the gift that came from it is realizing that it is not anyone else's fault. There is no victim here. It is not about the way he treated me or anything else. I am a hundred percent responsible a hundred percent of the time. That was a real awakening for me. Yeah. A hundred percent of the time, no matter how you feel that somebody else has treated you, you are responsible a hundred percent of the time. And that is empowerment. That is true empowerment because then you know if you are responsible, you can do something about it. If somebody else is responsible, you can't control somebody else's actions. You can, you can control yours in terms of saying sorry, apologizing, feeling unconditional love, opening your heart, staying in your heart, not in your head. And just another point that I want to make, which I think is important, is that when I was talking to my friend, she said, I need to write, I need to write this. I need to record you. I need to record you because I need to remember exactly what you've said. And I said, if you're recording me, that would mean that you're in your head and you're trying to work it out. You, as soon as you go into your head, leave your head and go back to your heart. You don't need to remember the words I've said. You just need to feel into what I'm saying here. So if you're trying to remember the words that I'm saying, then you're in the wrong place. You shouldn't be in your head. So if you find yourself in your head when you're having these discussions with your partner, you're in the wrong place. You need to be in your heart. Your heart needs to be open and you need to see your partner's wounding as well. See, Try and see things from their perspective as well. And if you come to a place where it is time to go, at least you're separating with an open heart and not with anger. Because if you're at the point where you're separating with anger, that's the wrong point to be at. Like, that's, that's not when you separate. You don't separate when you're full of anger for your partner. You separate when you have calmed down, when you still have love for all the time you've spent together. You see their wounding, but you, you feel that you just can't do it with them anymore and it's time for you to move on. Yeah, I love that. And that point that you made about in your heart is something that we get to remember every day is when we are responding from our heart and not our head. That is when we are responding the way that God wants us to, the way that, you know, we as humans can be our best selves. The best part of us is in our heart and dropping into our heart and then speaking from our heart. So Beautiful. great point. I love it. And so my soul sister, um, because Every single um, guest answers this question. And so we're doing this episode, just the two of us today. What is your, the question that we ask every single person on every single episode, every single week, 
because you have answered this before, but this is a different day and today you'll give a different answer. What is your version of what is getting real? What does this, what is getting real mean to you? Because this podcast is called Soul Sisters Get Real. So what does get real mean to you? Getting real to me means authenticity, right? And I know I said that before, but getting real means speaking from our heart, being vulnerable, being open, uh, talking about what worked and what didn't work in our lives and what's working and what's not working in our lives right now. That's what getting real to me means. And I was thinking as we were talking, it's so interesting because it's like one hypnotherapist and the other, like the, uh, the moments of hypnotherapist as we walk, as we walk back and forth and it's what it's our experiences right so as we get real and we speak to each other about what is working and what is not working in our lives and what does get real mean to you i think it's it's one of the words that you just use which is vulnerability like you know all of that what you said but to me it's really um, I'm trying more than ever now when I'm doing even videos on my personal YouTube, like to, to, before I speak, the way that I do it now is very different to my, how I used to do it. So previously when I used to do a video on YouTube, I would, what's the topic? And then I would on a word document, put like three points that I wanted to cover in that video. But I feel that's the old way. That's not, it is real in the sense that it's the truth of what I believe, but I don't do that anymore. So instead I go into a prayer and just go into my heart space. And the like the last video that I did on my YouTube, I just started crying in the middle of me speaking. Now that's getting real. Like that's being vulnerable, allowing myself to experience the emotions, to not have these planned bullet points that I'm going to cover. It's like this is the topic and, and then the words are just flowing out of me in terms of just allowing myself to go wherever it's going without considering does this sound like I'm an idiot or are people going to judge me for this? But just being free to express without policing or censoring myself. Yes, I love that. And that's that piece of being vulnerable because now that you say that, I caught myself probably three and possibly even four times during this episode itself thinking, should I have said that? Is that going to hurt someone? Is that going to hurt someone's feelings? How are they going to receive that? Knowing that a lot of people, thousands of people listen to this podcast and I even find myself, oh, should I be vulnerable? Like, should I have said that? You know, that questioning, right? And then, no, I get to be vulnerable and tell my story and my experience. And this is my experience. And uh, so, yeah, I agree with the vulnerability is it's not always easy. To be exactly. real. And it's interesting at the very, very beginning, you said, I've got to be careful about what I say. But in the end, because you said that, that was like your default position was to say, I've got to be careful about what I say, because, you know, we're talking about other people here. But then it's like, you don't, because you're still operating from a place of love. You're not oper operating from a place of maliciousness or a place of like, you know, lack of integrity. Everything you said was of the highest integrity and the highest love. So there was no, you know, casting blame or fault or anything like that from any of your words. And when you're in that place of love and with an open heart, there's no reason as to why we should not share that with the world, right? Right, right. Yeah. And that's good. That's good reassurance even for any, any of us, right? Yeah. It's, uh, exactly. it's not about being a victim. It's not about blaming. It's about what is my experience from my heart. 
Awesome. Today's was an awesome episode and um, very excited about the coming weeks. We've got awesome guests coming back and um, interviewing brand new guests. So, yeah, make sure that you subscribe. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you loved it. And if you did, subscribe to the podcast. We would so love it if you write us a review and share it with your friends. And remember, always connect to your truest essence. And choose love. We'll see you next time.